0: Welcome to New Life Miami and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon and remember you are God continues to call us out and he doesn't grow tired. God doesn't grow tired of calling us. I used to be this person that was like always, like I never cried. I never cried. And for some reason, I cry too much now. (laughs) Seriously. I do. I cry. Because as we come closer to see the heart of Christ, we can't, we can't hold back. It's powerful. What I want to do today, and, it, and it's very in line with, with what happened in worship right now, is I want us as a body, I want us to proclaim our citizenship today. Uh, I want to proclaim our inheritance And it's a cultural inheritance that God is calling us into. I want everybody to open their Bibles up right now just to Matthew 13. I'm going to start with this. Matthew 13, verses 10 through 12. You can stay up here the whole time. I don't care. (laughs) Go if you want to. Stay. You guys like him? You want him to stay? Stay there. I don't care. Oh, that's right. It was his birthday. When was it? When? Yesterday. We're going to sing happy birthday to him after. <laughs> um, it says in verse 10, it says, The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? Verse 11, he replied, because the knowledge of the secret of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. I'm going to try to contain myself. Whoever has, will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And then in verses, in same chapter, verse 35, listen to what it says. Uh, Let's go to 34. It says, same same chapter. So Matthew 13, verse, uh, verses 34. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. Again, he did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was filled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter, I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Why does God grab a crowd of people or stand before a crowd of people and make it difficult for them to hear what he's trying to say it doesn't make any sense to me, I always talk about sense it makes no sense to try to convey a message yet speak in puzzles so that they can't understand what you're saying and yet he tells them in verses 10 he says the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you why why to them and not the rest why to the people to his disciples and not the crowd certainly there were other people that came to the lord and received from him but what is the difference there what happened why did he speak in parables why was, was it only for them? Because those are the people who wanted to live in proximity with God. Those are the people who hungered for something else. Those are the people who questioned in their heart, wait, this can't be it. There's something more. Those are the people that weren't satisfied with something they didn't understand. Somebody who wanted to dig deeper into the mysteries. Someone who thought, man, there's something else in this. There's a wonder in this. I can't quite grasp it, but man, I'm going to keep going until I find it. And so he says to these people, he says, it's not for everyone else. It's for those who seek. It's for those who don't stop. Right? Because it says, seek and you will find. Ask and you receive. But if we don't seek, if there's not a heart, a desire to seek, then the word really, really isn't for you because there's no hunger inside of you to know God. So why, why do I say this? We, we've been speaking here about new wine. You, we, can, we can taper it off. I feel weird now. <laughs> um, we've been speaking of new wine in this place. And why I want us to come into this culture that I'm talking about, this, this citizenship, this inheritance, is because before we can receive what God has been starting to speak to us about, hint to us about, I think there's a reverence, a reverential fear, if you want, you know, uh, an honor that we have to come before our God before we can handle what he's going to give us. There's a hunger that's growing inside of us. We see it happening. We see people in this very company starting to catch something they've never felt before. And it happens to me too. Something I've never experienced before. The, the, the church, this, in, in this particularly Western culture, has become a church of bad habits. Do you guys... You know what I'm talking about? Because what happens is we've taken, and it's been learned from our very church, from our very body. We've established bad habits. So we've become a people who, when we're up here, we sing music and it sounds great, and that's what's inspiring us. And that's what's causing us to raise our voices and shout. And then we, we've learned to call the anointing on the pastor. When he vibrates his voice, and he grunts like this, I don't know how to do it. I don't got that in me. No, I don't got it. But we've learned to do this. We've learned bad habits of what it means to worship a holy God. And, and as God is revealing this to us, I feel God almost begin to cringe if we just take that and we hashtag new wine. God is not calling us to take this and mash it into the culture. God is not calling us to take this and dilute it so that the people can receive it. God is calling us to take this and create and forge a culture that looks nothing like theirs. He made it difficult for the crowd. We think that if we make it look a certain way to the culture, then maybe they can receive it. Since when did God need your help? So what is he saying? He's saying, like Regal said last week, he wants us to be an image of him. If we're we're to be an image of Christ, then that means we're to take on another semblance, not one that looks like where we're at or where we're called, right, to, because we're called to this world. We're not called out of this world. We're called into this world, but we're not of it. So then what we're bringing to this culture is something that they've never seen. The problem is that what this culture has seen has been a mix of theirs and a little bit of ours. It's like you mash Play-Doh. I I play with Play-Doh every once in a while, right? I have a little three-year-old. You grab Play-Doh and you have whatever, yellow, and you have red. And you mash it together. And as you keep mashing that thing together, all of a sudden, you can't tell the two apart. In fact, they become one. So how can you separate the two colors? You can't. All of a sudden, it's become a part of it. So then what do you do with it? How do we get that back? How do we receive back our culture, our color, the the citizenship that we've been called to? How do we receive, how do we take that back? We discard the old. We discard what we did before. We come to understand that we mixed ourselves way too much. And now all of a sudden, we've created. We have to humble ourselves now and say, hey, this is no good. We have to come and accept and take ownership of a culture that God has now asked us to take ownership in. And that right now, I believe, is what's happening in our company. I wouldn't say in our company only. I believe that God in a move, especially in our culture, is coming into an awakening where people are realizing, wait a second, what we've been doing really doesn't make any sense. Does this mean that we disconnect from the world? Absolutely not. We never disconnect from the world. He's called us into the world. In fact, John 17 15, right? He he says, I'm not of the world just like you are not in the world. But he says, but do not take them. This is when God is praying, or Jesus is praying to God for his disciples. He says, I don't desire that you take them out of the world. No, keep them in there. But there's a reason. There's a reason, because that culture that they're supposed to function in, that's supposed to infect the world. So that's what God is calling us into. So, so the message that I'm, I'm portraying today and what I want to really get into today, into today is this. It's a cult. What is a culture in devotion? Because that's what we're called into. It's not the culture that we see, it's our own. It's something that creates a new language, a new form of communication. It's completely different. So, what is a culture in devotion? Well, let's take the book of Acts chapter 2 let's go there Acts chapter 2 verse uh, 42 and it says in verse 42 it says they devoted themselves to the apostles teachings to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer so if we're to forge out another culture, one that we originally have, a citizenship that he's called us into, then what is a culture in devotion? So what have we known called, uh, devotion to be? When we speak of devotion, we're talking about, well, we usually talk about a time, right, where we separate to come close to God and to pray. Amen? But, and so that's absolutely true. Devotion begins in prayer. So it's as simple as this. God has called us to be a culture that prays. There's there's no trick to this. It's very simple. A culture in devotion is a culture that first and foremost can learn how to pray. I don't have to teach you how to pray, but I can show you what God means when he wants you to speak to him. We can talk about that. And that's what we're going to talk about. What is it? What is devotion? What is your time in prayer? It's, it's a time that you separate to God, but all of a sudden, as you come into a lifestyle of devotion, it's not just a time that you separate to pray. All of a sudden, it's a prayer that becomes you. It's a life that becomes you, that it changes everything about you till what happens, till you become unrecognizable. So, so devotion has been known as, as a time to separate ourselves to come into prayer, to read the word, to learn from the word. And that's the beginning. And it's the lifestyle now of proximity that we find ourselves falling into as we pray, as we come into this time where we give to God. All of a sudden, it's not separated. We start by separating a moment to give to God. And all of a sudden, we come into a place where we're never separated from God. Because that was his intention. You look at Adam and Eve when they were in the garden. There was never a time for them to be separated from dwelling where God dwelt. His original intention was not that we separate a moment for Him, but our whole lives are surrounded by Him. So, what happens? When we fall into devotion and this lifestyle changes because all of a sudden we realize there's, there's a culture that we've mixed into and, and we need to remove ourselves from that and enter a new one, then it causes us to question everything. It causes us to wonder about everything. And that's okay. Because if you're not constantly questioning yourself, if you're con- not constantly wondering if what I'm doing is actually pleasing God, then then... What's wrong is that we're going to fall into something that we think is good, right? We have the right intentions, but we don't approach him correctly. That's the problem with mixing into this culture. That's the problem of trying to hashtag or whatever. You know, it's not about, I don't have anything against social media. But we dilute. We try to to get this world to get it, and that's good because we're called into it. But there's some things that I think that has happened in this body, during worship in this place, that doesn't have anything to do with anybody else. Why? Why? Because if we receive, if we say yes to what's going on in this place and we don't try to advertise it so that people can see how awesome it is and we start falling into that intimacy and functioning in it, we're going we're gonna to transform the world much greater than if we just try to post it on social media. So what happens if you start living this transformation that's happening in this place, in this company. We don't have to shout out to the world because what happens, we go out and we do intimacy, we do family with somebody, we touch somebody. Tell me how close you can get to somebody when you're typing something to them to encourage them. What, what's happening is that they're gonna they're gonna be feel inspired, but never transformed. Why? Wait, wait, why? It doesn't mean that somebody cannot be transformed by the word of God. It's not that. It's that they lack a touch. But it's so easy to fall into that. It's so easy. And it's, listen, immaturity is not a bad thing. Us learning and growing is not a bad thing. I have a lot of immaturities inside of me. It's embarrassed to admit it, but it's true. But it's okay because that means that I can only get closer to God. In my mind, that just means, man, there's more. Are you serious? That inspires me. It doesn't bring me down. It's okay to admit it. So, a culture in devotion is a culture in prayer. It changes our prayers. It changes our language. It changes our expressions. Hmm. When you're in love, okay, so this is what I'm going to tell you. So, so when we pray to God, right, let's talk about that. When we pray to God, are we saying, oh, God, I, I need I need uh, you to help me with my finances. I need you to tell me to be a better husband, right? You ask, you tell them what you need, and please, God, be with me. God knows your needs. You don't have to remind them of your needs. You could. It's not, there's nothing wrong with that. But there's, I want to take you to this verse right here. I think it's I think it's Matthew 6, 7 through 8. Yeah, let's go there. I want to talk to you a little bit about prayer and your language to God and how it how it changes in devotion. Let's go there. Matthew 6, 7 through 8. It says. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. It says, verse 8, do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So God already rent the heavens. He has given you what you need. He knows what you need. But when you're in love, you speak to somebody differently. When you're in love, you're not telling them, hey, um, I really need us to kind of get closer together and. And uh, I, 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 need, I need to feel that, that you uh, can support me. You're not telling that to somebody you love. You're pouring yourself out to them. What do you do? You start writing love poems. You start writing songs. And what happens? You're just telling them how much you love them. That's all you're saying. When you start learning how to pray because you have something inside of you that's being stirred up and you can't hold back, all you want to do is tell God, my God. You're the most amazing thing in my life. There's nothing I want more. You're, you're my love. You're my king. You rule over me. I want str- to walk by streams of, of waters, and I just want to stroll with you and hold your hand. That's a love poem. That, that's what comes out of you when you're in love. Or did you guys forget? Or did I forget? Did we forget how to speak to God because we lost that first love? Let's come to God with a language that changes, that gets us out of this culture that we've learned to be narcissistic and so self-absorbed. I'm sorry. But it's true. You know, I see, I work, I'm a counselor for a high school. Okay? So, <laughs> I work in Delray Beach, but still it's... <laughs> so you walk and they're walking, this is them. Everything. Let everybody see what I'm doing. Hey, hey. In the classrooms, in the hallways, the girls, they get on the wall. During school, this is in the middle of school. And like, you know, I'm not going to even tell you what they wear. Like, no, seriously. And people are taking pictures of them. Like, it looks like paparazzi. And you're like, what's going on here? All people know how to do is, is throw selfies. They, what's, they have another word. I'm so out of it. <laughs> There's another one that's like a selfie, but it's called a something seat. They made millions million ones, ones, right? I don't know what I'm talking about. Forget it. I, I'm, I'm showing my, my age. I'm absolutely completely out of it. But, but we're so self-absorbed, we've become a narcissistic society. When the only person has the right to be narcissistic is God. I challenge you guys, I challenge us to question our everyday. Not just what we do, what we think, what we say, how we act. That's all going to become transformed when there's a relationship that falls into love with Christ. So if he knows what you need, then how do you communicate? That's what I'm talking about. You communicate in love. Are you in love with my wife? Listen, I've learned... How to love my wife. I, I'm still learning, but I've learned how to love her better. You know what I did? I wrote it down. <laughs> I swear to you. I wrote it down on my phone. How does she know that I love her? I wrote it down. And I wrote down everything that I've seen, that I've learned, that she understands how I can love her better. And I try to do that. I fail. Absolutely. But where's my heart? Where is your heart? Is your heart functioning in a, an intention or a desire, a hunger to do better, to love your God? Or are you just trying to get by? That right there is going to change our love language. That right there is going to change our culture. It's going to change our communication. It's going to change our devotion. Amen? Amen? A culture in devotion desires to learn. I didn't give you guys points and all that stuff. So I hope you write things down if you need to. A culture in devotion desires to learn. That's another thing that we've become used to, right? When the preacher looks a little bit better or he sounds kind of cool, because he does something to his face, voice, and I don't know what, and he sounds cool. I've, I've, I've fallen into the same trap. I go, like, man, that guy's kind of freaking nice, cool. Like the way he sounds, it makes me feel good. I love that seriously td jakes hey td jakes no he's a man of god but you heard him and you're like you would fall on your face like oh my god this is amazing but when we have to sit down for a teaching and the person's monotone where is the hunger inside of you that says i don't care how this guy sounds every word that's coming out of his mouth is transforming my life Culture and devotion is not something we do. It's something we become. So, so we have a lot of things that, we, do, that we, we try to do as a church, right? And they're all great things. You know, they're great functions. They're, they're reach outs and all that stuff. But you know what? It's, it's very, very, we have to tread very carefully with that. Because what happens is then all of a sudden we know these are great things and things that we want to honor God with, right? So I want to be a better leader. I want to be a better musician. I want to be a better server. I want to be a better... I want to be a better... And the problem is that it divides our attention. Instead of the one thing, the one thing that we've talked about here, right? We become something else. I, I want to do all those things. That's great. But what's the one thing that I always have to keep? God doesn't want... He spoke this to me a while back, and it had to do with me as a father... God doesn't want our attention. He wants our undivided attention. He wants all of us. Just like my daughter wants my undivided attention. I'm not going to start crying, I promise. I'll try. Listen, I'm going to to tell you something that happened to me, I would say, two, three months ago. And it's changed a lot of of what I do now and how I, I do it. I was, and it's nothing bad, but listen, this is how, The sensitivity I want you to see of what happens when you fall into devotion and what God speaks to you, it changes everything. Okay, I'm going to talk to you about that later. I was with my daughter outside in the backyard, and we were, and she was playing. We have a little, we were given. (laughs) Praise the Lord, we were given a little house, a little, you know, the plastic houses? Like the cool, cool, some, whatever. Huh? The play school houses, yeah. So we were given a play school house. And and I'm just going to come down here and then um, we're playing, right, and I'm playing with her, and then, you know, with ministry stuff or whatever, people text, you know, so what I do is I sit in the house, in the play school house with her, and she, and we're playing, right, and then I get a text, and I'm like, oh, shoot, and so I look at my text, and then I'm trying to respond, because I feel it's kind of important, right, but then what happens, my daughter slaps the phone out of my hands. she's three years old, and I'm like, I freaked out because it almost looked like she did it by accident. She kind of go like that, like she swung like she was playing, but she knew exactly what she was doing. She landed right on it. And it wasn't like this. It was like this. (laughs) And I knew it. And I I went like that. And you know what? You know what she tells me? Yeah, I got (sighs) to. She tells me, I'm sorry, Daddy. I'm sorry. My daughter has to tell me sorry, because I'm not paying attention to her. Something's wrong. I said, there's no way. I was crushed at that moment. And I said, no. I looked at I picked up my phone. And I looked at her, and I said, Mama, this. And I grabbed the phone. She's three. And I said, this is never going to be more important than you and it's never going to happen again. And I put my phone away and I said, I love you. I'm sorry. See, see, God doesn't want us in a place. It's not just about responding. It's about how long it takes to respond. How many times, don't, don't judge yourself by by you responding to your, your, your children when they call for you. Res, judge yourself by how soon you respond when your children call for you. There's a higher calling. See, when, when you grow in devotion, when you become a culture of devotion, all of a sudden sin doesn't look the same. If, if, if my sin, if my perception of what God is doing in my life stays the same, I'm never growing. What he does and what he says is true, but we grow into deeper devotion. We grow into deeper relationship with God, and all of a sudden, grabbing my cell phone in front of my daughter when she wants to play with me is a sin. And I'll say it again. So, we've talked about, and I hope you guys understand, maybe just a little bit of what a culture in devotion might look like. Just a little bit. Because I can stay on this for a very, very long time. And there's a lot more to say. But I want you to understand something. That if we can grasp just a little bit, we don't have have to have all the answers right now. I don't have to tell you exactly how you need to be. Because if you come close to God, He's going to reveal it to you. I promise you. So I'm not here to place judgment on anyone. I'm here to speak truth of how God has hit me and where he's taken me and what it's done to me and now what's happening. And I pray that you desire the same thing. That's all. Don't kill the messenger. Right? So what happens when we are ready to accept this culture that he's called us into? He's called us into his culture. What happens when we say, All right, I'm ready. I'm ready to respond appropriately. Okay, let's get into it. That was my intro. Let's go. Ready? What time is it? What time is it? Sorry, but we're going to go there. First things first, we forge out. I said it before. We forge out and we leave significance. Hm. We go into the wilderness. Means nothing at all. I mean, there's meaning in wilderness. Oh, I'll tell you, there's meaning in wilderness. And it's an approach. And I'm going to take you there. Exodus 32, 5. Exodus 32, chapter 32. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Exodus is like the first, second book. Okay. Exodus, 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 <laughs> 32, 5. You guys ready? It says, when Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf. Okay, wait, back up. Back, let's go to uh, verse 2. So Aaron answered them. He was talking to the, to the Israelites. When they, this is when the is, Israel leaves Egypt, right? They leave Egypt with Moses, all right? And then Aaron answers them. After this happens, they kind of establish themselves in a place. And they're waiting for Moses because Moses goes up to the mountain to speak to God, right? When he came and he brought the Ten Commandments. So Moses is gone. Aaron is his brother, second in command. (laughs) And what happens? Look, Aaron answered them, the people, take off your gold earrings. Take your wives. Take your sons and your daughters and all they're wearing, and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings, blah, blah, blah. He took what they handed him and made it into a idol cast of gold. In the shape of a cast. Fashioning it with the tools. These people spent time on this. And then verse 5. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So then, check this. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So these people are like, hey, bro, we love God. (laughs) And what are they doing? They're like, give me your gold. All right, let's do it. It sounds great. And, And hey, give me your earrings. Hey, and stuff that your kids have. Take their toys away. Come on. And let's build an altar. Let's build a calf, an idol to worship our God. Ooh, what a mixture of culture there is here. Mishmash of culture. And then Aaron says, and you know what? Let's, let's create a festival because you know what? We're going to party for our God. Ah, hallelujah, we built the calf. And so what happens? They forge out of the culture that they were enslaved in. And then when they leave the culture that they're enslaved in, that culture remains in their heart and then it's expressed. Out of their heart comes truth. What do they do? They built a calf because they may have left the land, but they never left their heart. So Aaron comes into the thing. He's like, oh, this is great. I like this. And he builds a calf. And he says, now we're going to have a festival. We're going to have a party. So the first thing he's asking us to do is forge out of the culture you're in. Leave it behind and leave no semblance of it. Guys, if you're feeling convicted about social media, that's, that's you. But it doesn't have to overrule you. It, uh, uh, the, this culture doesn't have to overtake you. We can live in this world, but let's not be of the world, right? So Aaron not only allowed the people to, to build a calf, but, and he, but he intended it to worship God because he didn't see that this wasn't just meant for them to step out but then, all of a sudden, it was meant for them to lose identity. So God calls us out of culture, but he also says, hey, okay, now you're saying I don't want more of this culture? Now lose it inside of you. Every semblance of it, just let it go. Because I know that you still want to function sometimes in it. It's natural. It's our immaturity. It's how we grow. It's okay. But now let's, let's realize it, right? Right? Let's look within ourselves and say, wow, where am I still there? Where is my heart still there? Let's do that if we really want more of God. So he's asking us to forge out. So the second thing that I see him do is what he causes us to become. So we forge out, and then what happens as a result is we let it go. We let go of that identity, and then we become unrecognizable. Unrecognizable. What makes us so special in this world if we're no better than the next man? What makes us so special in this world if we're no better than the next man? We're sinners, right? Just like the rest of them. But we fall under grace, right? We fall under grace because we've, we've accepted what God or Jesus did on the cross. And yes, we can approach a holy God only through that grace, so it's it's not and this is where I want you to see this. Grace that God has given us isn't an excuse to approach God casually. Cuz that's what we've done. Okay? But it's 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 permission for him, for us to approach him appropriately. If we approach him outside of that holiness, We're functioning in our own self-righteousness. I am purposely speaking slow because I think I tend to speak really fast. Do I? I know. The Hispanic comes out of me. And I start going, man. I'm going to go slow. I'm going to go slow. So what we become is we lose our identity. What happened? I'm not going to stop here for very long. What happened when Jesus came to earth? He became unrecognizable. Let's put John 1:10 up there, Rudy, if you can. I'm not gonna go. I'm just. I'm not gonna. Um, Rudy, if you can put John 1:10 up there, just so we can read it. Jesus was insignificant to the world and culture. I'll read it with you. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. That's what. That's what we're. That's where we're going. That's the place where we're forging into. That's where we're coming out of and that's what we're coming into. A land, three, a land of honor called called devotion is where we're going. So what? We forge out of the land, we become unrecognizable, and then what? Matthew, let's go here. If you guys didn't come wanting to really hear a lot, I'm sorry. Well, I'm not going to apologize. Because if you're hungry for it, I hope you're chewing on these words. Because I chewed, listen, I've, I had a message, a different message today. I, this is not the message I had today. I had another message completely different. It started off with new wine. Then I was like, oh my God, wait a second. I don't think we're there yet. Then it, then it went to wineskin and I'm like, um, but wineskin, what happens before wineskin? And then it came here. Before we can go to new wine, function in new wine, before there's wineskin. And I, I want to get there hopefully one day. Uh, but before we even do wineskin, we have to understand that there's an honor that God expects from us. Before we can come into wineskin, we have to understand that we have to establish ourselves in a culture that we're devoted to Him. Okay, so I'm sorry. Matthew 13, 44. That was just a caveat. 1344. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. A man found treasure in a field. How did he find the treasure in the field? Do you think he was walking around and not looking for it? (laughs) The man was looking for something intentionally he was walking around and he found treasure why he found it because he was seeking something the man found treasure in the field and when he finds it all of a sudden he says for sale sign poof have it all guys I'm selling all that means anything to me you want it there it is everything is for sale he sells all that has any significance of who he is. And what happens? He goes there bare. I mean, maybe he still had his clothes, I hope. I hope he was a little sane and he took his clothes with him. But he goes into a field. He goes into a field because he found treasure that was so significant to him that he didn't care of who he was. Now he wants to be who he's called to become. So the treasure was him leaving behind all the culture all the learnings, all the things that made made him who he was, and all of a sudden he was empty and alone. He says, I do not care because I want to reside in that place where my treasure resides. Why? Well, we know, and the Bible says this too, where your heart, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So it's a land that he moved into. This is a perfect picture of devotion. Perfect picture of devotion. There's one more thing I want to share, and I and I won't spend too much time in it because it's it's a hefty story. But I'm gonna I'm gonna end with this because I think it's very significant. Um, in Genesis twenty eight ten, uh, if, and if you guys want, you can you can come up. You know where's team? Genesis twenty eight ten. It's the story of Jacob. Okay? Jacob... Let me just go there first. Sorry. Okay, so Jacob had stolen his brother's blessing, okay? Uh, some of you, maybe many of you will be familiar with this story. And Jacob flees from his brother because his brother is out to kill him, okay? And his brother's name is Esau. And in, verse, in chapter 28, verse 10, check this out. He was fleeing, okay, because he was, he was on the run. He was trying to escape his brother because his brother was first born, and his, father, his brother was supposed to receive his do right to his blessing to his father's blessing and what happens is that Jacob posed as his brother and took away his blessing and back then that was a huge massive deal okay so what happens is he's on the run and he ends up in verse 10 he ends up in a land to settle himself for a second while he continues on his journey running away from his brother so it says like this in verse 10 Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, and I'll talk about that one day. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth, with its top reaching to heaven. There is this is where the whole idea, if you guys have heard of uh, Jacob's ladder. Okay, people talk about Jacob's ladder. He had a vision of a staircase going from, down from earth to heaven. Okay? Now, let me skip a little bit because, I mean, it's going to give you a lot of information that we really don't have to go to. But I want to go here. Verse 16. Oh, let's go 15. I am with you, and this is uh, God speaking. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. This is God speaking to him. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. This is while Jacob was running away from his brother, okay? So check this out, verse 16. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was, check this, this is where I want you to listen to this. Verse 17. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Verse 18. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel. And verse 20, the Jacob, Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me, he will watch over me. But what happens later on in the verse? Jacob continues on his journey in, verse, in chapter 29. He leaves Bethel. After he recognized that God was in that land, he says, Wow, this is amazing. God is in this place, but guess what? I have to keep going. <laughs> I was like, what? Wait, God said to you, he's going to give you this land. But what happens? Catch this. When he received the blessing from his father, the one that his brother was supposed to get, that was illegal. He wasn't supposed to receive the blessing. He took it from his brother. God had something intended for for Jacob. He wanted to give him a blessing and he said it right there. He says, I'm going to make you, he was telling him he's going to make them a great nation. He's going to establish them in that land and they're going to grow and blah, blah, blah. Right? But he, in his own, he had the right intention, right? But the wrong approach. He came and he stole the blessing that he thought was rightfully his. And God says, I don't function in that. So what happens? He recognizes God and instead of staying there in reverence because he loves the Lord, he leaves because he's so scared because he knows he's wrong. He leaves the land where he's intended to go, and then where does he go? He starts running away, he keeps running away, and then there's one point in his life that he realizes, what am I doing? I'm walking around with something that's not mine, and I'm not going to receive what God wants me to receive until I receive it correctly. So what happens? He wrestles with God, and once he wrestles with God, he, he sweats he goes through pain. He's injured because he strives and he looks for that straight from God. He comes to the Lord and he says, I want you to bless me. And so God in that moment blessed him. Then he returns to the land. Then he returns to the land that he was intended to always take hold of. And this time when he returns to the land, he can establish himself. So God, what is God telling us? He's telling us that he's calling into a land of, in devotion, but we can't come into that land illegally. There's a process. There's something that, something that needs to happen in this body. There's something that happens, needs to happen in our culture as believers in this world, in, 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 those who, who proclaim to be of the faith. There's something that needs to happen if we're to walk in to the land that God has promised us. Okay. And that is established. That begins with a reverential fear. That begins with a sense of honor. That begins when we're able to come before our God and say, and and think twice before we grab what he's given us and just squander it. When we grab what he's given us and we say, man, this is something special. When I give it to somebody, I'm going to give it because there's going to be a transformation in that i've met people this happened to me one time i i was in i was working and i have a a a fellow believer that i work with she she's a, a, a youth pastor and i i told her hey i made a song she goes hey why don't you bring it to our meeting public school i brought the music i brought the song that i wrote to the meeting and before all the counselors i started worshiping the lord and you know what happened You think you would think think these people would be broken because God is so powerful, right? They were talking with each other while I was playing. You know how, I'll say, pissed off I got. Man, something rose up inside of me when I did that. And I say, dude, do you think you can do that to my God? You think that when I sing a love song to my Christ, I don't care how ugly it sounds. Do you think you could keep conversation? my God, I rose up inside of me, and I was livid, and I stopped, and I told him, I'm never going to do this again, how dare you, I went up to one of the counselors, she freaked out, (laughs) I said, you you know, I went to a counselor, and I said, and I approached her, I said, hey, I was singing a song, and you were talking, thought that it was about me she probably oh my god this guy's so so self-centered he needs me to talk to listen to him (laughs) it has nothing to do with me it was because i wanted them to honor my god and if i was going to give them something that came from so deep in my heart that god i know god was pleased with and they were going to talk i'm not going to give it to them at all they don't deserve it i'm sorry i'm sorry if that messes with your religious way of thinking but i'm going to give myself wholeheartedly completely in a way that honors him not that pleases others yes. amen. amen let's stand you know let's just take some time speak if if any of this spoke to you if you're ready to enter another culture out of a place that you've known and into a place that you might have no idea what it looks like i want to invite you guys in if you guys are saying yeah you know what i do mix myself a little bit into the world around me i tend to camouflage things i tend to dilute it there's a difference between drinking wine and drinking grape juice see i'm not gonna even go there guys i'm sorry it's too much it's a whole another message let's, let's not focus on that L- guys let's not get so hung up on receiving something from God let's, let's, let's focus on going somewhere where he wants us to be does that make sense to you does that make sense to you I, I hope I I want to receive the promises of God but before I receive the promises of God I want to become something new I want to have a a culture birthed inside of me that resembles nothing with what this culture looks like let's go there God is calling us there guys if as a result of this 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 church this this message might not be for everybody this church as we come closer to this it might shrink and that's okay because you know what that just weeds out those things those I want to say people God bless them I pray for them but It's going to allow us to come into our intention and shine brighter for God. I pray that each and every one of you in here, my heart, God's heart, is that each and every one of you guys in here is hungry for what I just said. I pray that. But if you're not, I want to pray over you. And I I pray that God shows you that. And for those of you who are going to be here, let's burn brighter. Let's come into that culture. Let's say yes to that. Amen? Just just spend some time with your God. Let's just do that. Let's get used to the quietness, guys. Let's get used to praying. Let's get used to lifting our voices. Amen? Let's do that.